and welcome once again to the Apocalypse Podcast, a podcast about eating an entire pig. I'm James Bellardi, and as ever, I'm joined by Chief Taste Tester Sam. Sam Strasvutcher. Strasvutcher, James? <laughs> That's Russian, uh, if you were wondering, and I think it means hello. Uh, my pronunciation may be off, but it's just that every time we do an episode, I have to sort of say hello, and, and I got a bit bored with hi and that. Hey, is this in, howdy, how's it going? Also in homage to the Russian course that we did during lockdown. Yeah, we did just do a Russian course. It didn't go particularly well. Very little in the way of pork facts and <laughs> Russian pork knowledge, uh, which is disappointing to me. Now, this week we have a bumper episode and it covers an awful lot of pork. Sam, which cut are we doing? We're doing the loin. Now we had a uh, 100 kilo pig, it's called Bebop. First of all, how much of that do you reckon we've got left? I think we're looking at about 10 to 15 kilos Ooh, now. We're on the final furlong. And of that 100 kilo pig, how much of it would you say was made up of loin? Oh, like loads of it, wasn't it? It was like about six pieces. Yeah, each one like maybe like between three and five kilos. I mean, do those maths. Now, the loin, what is the loin? The loin is it's a bit of meat that runs along the outside of the rib cage at sort of at the top of the pig. So from kind of the top of the arse to the bottom of the shoulder blade. Muscles-wise, we're talking about the trapezius, the thoraculumbar fascia, and the iliocostalasis. Faves. It's uh, usually considered in three sections. So you've got the front, the middle, and the rear. And there's two of them on each pig, like one on each side. Hence, you get six pieces. Now, each of those three sections have a slightly different makeup of muscle and fat and bone, and that makes a difference to the way that they need to be cooked, and we'll get onto that as the episode carries on. So what I think you're saying is that we had six pieces of loin, but no two pieces were alike. Well, no, what I'm saying is that there were six pieces of loin, and three of them were alike. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay, like, then. so you've got two front bits, two middle bits, and two rear bits. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. And they're very much alike in that regard. Price-wise, loin is kind of mid-table, you know, sort of a, a, per kilo. It's definitely cheaper than leg or shoulder, pricier than belly. You know, so it's a good, it's a good all-rounder. All uh, you can buy it on the bone, off the bone, in big chunks, in smaller pieces. Quite often it gets turned into chops, like when you buy a pork chop, it's made from the, the front end. And we did that with some of it? Well, we didn't turn into chops. They were already made into chops for us, but we're gonna get onto that. One sort of interesting property of the loin mm. is how separate the fat is from the muscle. There's a sort of really obviously distinct layers and you have the option of making a healthy cut of pork if you want, just by slicing that fat off. Is that what we did? No, because this is the Apocalypse podcast and we believe that fat is flavour. So in every single instance, in every recipe that we've cooked in this episode, we left the fat on. Fat is fun. Here in the UK, we use lots and lots of loin to make back bacon. Bacon comes in two types, right? You've got streaky bacon and that's basically the bacon that they have in every country in the world apart from in Britain. And that comes from the belly. Then there's back bacon, which is the loin, which is the sort of oval-shaped bit with a bit of the top part of the belly muscle attached to the edge. Interesting. Elsewhere in Spain, they cure it, turn it into charcuterie. Mm. Uh, the Chinese use it for char siri and all sorts of tasty roast meats. You can cook it quickly or slowly. It's probably the most versatile cut of pork we have thus far encountered. 
that true? Do we say that about like nearly every other cut? Yeah, but this time I really mean it. It's more versatile than belly. Yeah. More versatile than tenderloin. Definitely, yeah. All right. Now, before we talk about the recipes, don't forget, if you have any thoughts on pork, then just give us a shout on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for the Apocalypse Podcast, or just head on over to apocalypsepodcast.com. So, the recipes. As I mentioned before, the loin is usually split into some three equal-sized thirds. You've got the front, the middle, and the rear. And the difference between the three is the ratio of fat to meat. And generally speaking, the further back you go on the pig, the leaner the meat gets. So, for the front third, you've got the biggest fat cap on top. And I want you to cast your mind back now, Sam, all the way back to episode three of the Apocalypse Podcast. Can you remember what we cooked? Ooh, was that back in the summer? think we cooked chops yes yeah both of our front thirds of loin were turned into chops okay and for a breakdown of how that went as soon as you finish this episode or maybe you just want to pause it now you can head on over to episode three to find out how all that went it's but a pretty good episode that, it was, actually it was good, i think it's yeah. a good chance it's going to be better than this one it was probably <laughs> the first episode we did where i thought oh Maybe this won't be so bad after all. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we get loads of contributors to that episode? Yeah, we did. I think that's Ah, right. the secret. The secret sauce. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, anyway, spoiler alert, in a nutshell, the chops were fantastic. They were. We had six kilos of them. Everyone agreed. There was about 18 chops, all in all. Full of flavour when you give them a bit of love and attention and an absolute world away from those dried-out grainy pork chops that we were all served oh, as kids. Oh, don't! Except for in Sam's house, because Sam's mum never once dried out the chops, ever. No, they're amazing at cooking pork chops in my 80s household. And your your mum would know the thicker the fat cap, the better they get. That's what stops them being dried yep, out. Yep, that is what Jane Dodd says all the time. <laughs> Calling her out by name now, unbelievable. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You don't have to eat all of that fat. You know, that's the thing. You can cut it off, but you need to keep it on there during the cooking process. That's that's the key to a great chop. So we've already now just covered off a third of the loin in, in this episode. Great. Let's get this episode done. <laughs> Getting through it. Middle section of the loin, however, is where things start to get interesting because, you know, the fat layer is not nearly as prominent as it is at the front. But there's still enough to keep it going. Cool. So how did we cook our middle section? So, well, we had two middle sections. Each were three kilos. Um, first up, we had a... It's just a straight-up slab of roast pork, basically. Do you remember back in the heady days of Tier 2, so circa June last year, we went to go meet our wine-drinking buddies in Crystal Palace Park for a picnic, and that was when that kind of thing was legal. Or Rule of Six, socially distanced picnic in the park. Everything about it was completely above board. <laughs> we brought the pork. Cat bought some homemade sourdough. Neil bought some posh butter. Evil Matt brought bubbles. And together we just chuckled the afternoon away in a drunken haze of pork and crackling and sunshine. That was a lot of crackling. Yeah. I think I, we all like the crackling more than the pork. Well, I personally made the crackling a... A, a, a feature? A, a feature, yeah, that's right. It, it was a mission to get it right. Basically, I mixed Simon Hopkinson from The Guardian. He had a, a recipe guide to doing the, the greatest pork crackling. And then Delia Smith also has some other ideas. And I kind of combined the two methods. So you score the fat with a sharp knife, scorch it with a kettle of boiling water, you rub salt into the rind as if it was the face of your worst enemy. Um, <laughs> Whose instruction was that? That actually comes from a Fanny Craddock recipe. <laughs> but I enjoyed her phrasing. 
and then you leave it in the fridge overnight uncovered to dry out. Sam, was the recipe a success in your eyes? Well, I think my overarching memory of that glorious day is that it was all tasty, but it was the crackling that stood out. I think I remember us having the crackling as almost like a topping to the pork and the sourdough. Mm. Did we take some apple sauce or something as well? Yeah, we some made kind of chutney or something. Apple sauce. And then, do you also remember that a couple of days later, I shredded the remaining pork and then put it in some homemade ravioli? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, I really love it when you make pasta. With a lightly herbed pork broth. So, fantastic in the moment when we were just eating it as part of the, the boozy picnic. But then also, incredible leftovers. Yeah, I think that is one of the things we're finding with quite a lot of bebop, isn't it? That actually it's really good like for repurposing. The other middle section, we barbecued in an apricot glaze. And that recipe came from vindulge.com. I brined it first, so that was how I decided to try and keep the moisture in there. You sear it over a hot side of the grill, then you move it to the cool side, lid on for about 80 minutes, basting at the end with this kind of sweet apricot sage sauce. Sam, what did you think of it? Well, again, heady days of summer, we were outside eating. Yeah, it looked amazing, didn't it? It was kind of huge from memory. Well, it looked just like one giant rack of pork chops, so it looks so indulgent and lavish. That's how we live our lives. Yeah, slicing them away. <laughs> My only critique here is that whilst the brining helped the meat stay moist, it kind of made the, the crackling go a bit soggy. And was that worth it? Mm. But then if we think about the piece we took to the park, the meat was a little dry at the expense of having amazing crackling. It's really hard to get the two right, isn't it? Very, very difficult. I would also point out that the sauce was a touch sage heavy. Oh, I really like sage, though. Well, you do. I thought it made it overly floral. Mm, I don't remember that. I remember liking it. Well, I distinctly remember, because, you know, you can only buy sage in, like, massive amounts, and what you're going to use it in. So I just was piling it in there, trying to... No, get we've got loads of frozen sage leaves in the freezer, because we've ended up... Batch, yeah, we've ended up with so much. Then, finally, the rear thirds. Now, remember, this is where the least amount of fat is of all of the loin cuts. So in order to keep that moisture and tenderness, we thought we'd take drastic action. And our inspiration came from where, Sam? It came from St. Lawrence's Market in Toronto, Canada. Yes. And what did we eat when we were in St. Lawrence's Market in Toronto, Canada? We had many things, but I think what we're most alluding to here is pea meal bacon. Yeah, now pea meal bacon, it's uh, cured pork brined in salt and, and maple syrup, and then rolled in crushed pea meal, which is what we here in the UK call split yellow peas or yellow lentils. That's the only thing you make dal out of, right? It isn't exactly that. Took a little while to make, didn't it? It took about a week, when you factor in all the curing time and the rolling time and everything. Often it's referred to as Canadian bacon. From what I hear in the US, that's a bit of a joke, but let me tell you, I thought it was an absolute game changer. You pr so we went on holiday to Canada in 2012? Yeah, we should actually clarify that, that when we're talking about being in Lawrence Market, this did not happen in the middle of lockdown. This happened, like, Obviously. nine years ago. Yeah, and you were obsessed with it. You were obsessed with us going to the market and trying it, because you'd read all about the different Canadian foods, and then since 2012, you've been pretty much talking non-stop about email bacon. Yeah, well, I wanted to do part of my life. You can't buy it anywhere in the UK. You've got to make it your So own. this was a special occasion, is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and... To, in order to recreate the authentic St. Lawrence Market experience, you know, you have to 
slice it fairly thickly, bang it in a frying pan, and when it's nearly done, just absolutely drown it in maple syrup. So that will kind of caramelize at the edge and give you this really sweet, crispy, juicy bacon. Serve it in a bun, dive in. Sam, was it as good for you as it was for me? No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I think, because, well, actually, didn't we end up making two lots of pea meal bacon? <laughs> yeah, that's because it was so good. Yeah, but I think also that we probably did that around the autumn, and although the whole way through this experiment, I have not felt like I've overdosed on pork, the pea meal bacon is one of the things that tipped me a little bit over the edge. Expand on that. What do you mean? Well... It is nice, and if you've got it in a good, like, crusty roll, but because it is a little fatty and quite salty like bacon is, and because you don't do things by halves and it was absolutely drenched in maple syrup, it was uh, it was nice to have a bit, but I having to have it, like, three days on the trot and then have another whole load of it later, it was a little bit too much for me. But I liked it so much that I insisted we did it again. Yes, and luckily we didn't have to just share it between the two of us. We took it camping in a safe way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with the aforementioned wine drinking friends, we had a socially distanced camping experience. That was... Yeah, it was actually at the end of September when you were allowed to do such things and have holidays in the UK. We were all assigned different roles and ours was to bring breakfast. And what better way than a sickly sweet maple coloured <laughs> bit of pork. With lentils falling off the side. Yeah, and it went down a treat. Everybody it did. loved it. Yeah. It was um, an experience for sure. So I guess maybe I would say that if you have a whole loin and there's only two people, then three kilos of turning that into pimo bacon is it's a lot to eat before it goes off. Yeah. But if you have more people to share it with, Sharing is caring, after all. I know, it felt really decadent, didn't it? To take that camping and be... Oh, and we had really nice weather, didn't we? So we're just sitting outside, loads of tea. Chowing down on pork. It was good. Let's do marks out of ten. The chops. Oh, well, we scored them back in episode three. I can't remember what I scored them. Eight, maybe? Eight. Yeah, I think if you treat them right, you can get a solid eight out of ten. The picnic roast. Mm, seven. Yeah. But if I'm adding points for atmosphere, 10! Well, in, you're not. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's a great way to make awesome crackling. It's not that adventurous as a recipe. No, but, it was tasty. Yeah, it, it was really good in sandwiches, wasn't it? It was a great showcase for the pork in a plain mm. way. The apricot glazed rack. I think I liked this more than you, but I'd say seven and a half. No, you see, I went six. I think Ooh. with the right amount of sage sauce, it could really lift it. But the brining sort of left unfulfilled crackling potential yeah but i really enjoyed the moistness of the meat because it was barbecued female bacon 10 out of 10 yes mm, i'm gonna go uh for a seven and a half because <laughs> i do like it but you just did too much of it <laughs> i think that i mean it's all it's up there with my top pork experience of this whole experiment of ours I know, I'm happy for you. I really am happy for you that you got to recreate our 2012 experience. Well, I think if the one thing is clear, it will not be the last time that, I make, <laughs> <laughs> that I make us eat a whole lot of female bacon. Okay, I think if there's a good gap between um, the female bacon eatings, I'll be okay with that. Okay, great. What are we doing next weekend? <laughs> And 
on that note, don't forget to hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode of the Apocalypse Podcast. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for the Apocalypse Podcast. Get in touch, find recipes, or more episodes at apocalypsepodcast.com. Join us on the next episode of the Apocalypse Podcast, where we will be saving our bacon, email or otherwise. See you there. See you say Apocalypse Podcast enough. Wow. <laughs>